Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSRHealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Mary Ann Live. I'm so glad you're here. You are in the right place at the right time, particularly if you're wanting to mend a shattered heart as it relates to sexual addiction. This is a subject that's affecting more and more of us in the Western culture and across the world, and we've got a gorgeous guest with us today. Stephanie Carnes is going to be talking about her new book, Mending a Shattered Heart, a guide for partners of sex addicts. Before we get to that, if you're just joining us for the first time, we like to practice here at Marian Life. We don't just talk about things that are painful, excruciating, difficult, or challenging. We like to put into practice um, the resources and tools that we gather. And so my commitment to you is at the top of the hour, all throughout the show, is to continually bring you um, resources that you can actually use that are practical. So what we like to do at the beginning of the show is get present. Uh, one of the ways that is easy for us to do that, I have found, is to find our breath. We can soften our gaze. We can feel our feet and wiggle our toes. And just softening into the body. Nothing really to do about it. It's just shifting where you're placing your attention. And notice the quality of your breath. It might be up in your chest. It could be in your solar plexus. You could feel it in your back body. You might not notice it at all yet. Just keep settling in until you can find your breath as it starts to help relax your nervous system. There you go. And you might even give yourself a gift of your own audible breath. It's really something to listen to yourself in this really intimate way. (sighs) Right? That sound. It's really wholesome and natural, and it helps calm our nervous system. So as you're doing that, let's shift our perspective to the second part of our practice, which is cultivating a perspective of gratitude. Everybody knows about gratitude these days. Um, There's lots of ways to cultivate gratitude, and shifting the perspective, however, is not always easy. I like to remind folks, you know, no need to beat ourselves up or shame ourselves. We have enough on our plates. Gratitude is a choice often. It's a, a perspective that we need to climb over a bridge most of the time, right? Because where we are is dealing, doing, being, reacting, sensing, feeling in the world, and gratitude is a place that we can pause and then ask ourselves the following question if it helps. Who helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? And so 
one of my favorite ways into finding my sense of gratitude, which really just opens up the lens for our experience. Who helped you get that food that you have in your belly that's digesting right now? How many tens or hundreds or thousands of people had to pick and clean and package and ship and drive and carry and decorate or present the foods, who made the food, etc. How about the clothes on your back or the electronic devices that you're using? Yeah, this is the kind of the slowing down and picking even one person that you know who helped you write that paper, you know, picked up the other end of the phone to help support you through whatever you're going through. Find any place to land and go ahead and follow that and see how it shifts shifts your sense of what's happening right now. You might feel a sense of expanding, whatever it is. Just notice that. I'm going to go down my list of folks who helped make this program possible, starting with our honorary sponsor, the One World Children's Fund.org, if you're online, helping uh, children improve, helping people improve the lives of children affected by poverty. Uh, at the national level, we've got the National Action Organization, um, committed to changing the way our culture values each other. Programming just like this is um, due to the uh, funding by the National Action Organization. 100% of the proceeds goes to programming just like this. You can check them out online, naction.org. And at the local level, we've got the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California. If you're ever in Northern California and you like books, like me, I'm addicted to books. It is my drug of choice. <laughs> Um, yeah, not a bad one to have, that and green tea. But, you know, you want to go in and feel books and smell books and pick up a copy of a book like our guest today, Mending a Shattered Heart. It will be there sitting waiting for you. Um, check them out when you're in town or go online, um, opensecretbookstore.com. All right, everybody, we are breathing presents. We're going to receive some presents from our very special guest today. And um, we are grateful more information, more choices. When it comes to sexual addiction, many of us didn't even know there was such a term, there was such a thing. You may be in the midst of a situation where you're finally going to give language to something that you're going through. You may know someone going through sexual addiction. We have an authority here with us today, Stephanie Carnes, Mending a Shattered Heart, a Guide for Partners of Sex Addicts, a Guide for the Partners of Sex Addicts. So often the focus is on the addict, uh, addiction behavior or the addict themselves. This is a guide for you to help you identify, understand, and go through the healing process of sexual addiction. Let me tell you a little bit about Stephanie. Um, she's a Ph.D. She's a leading therapist, author, and expert in the treatment of sexual addiction and intimacy disorders. She's also the president of the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals and is a senior fellow for the Meadows Behavioral Health Care where she works with sexually addicted clients and their families. Uh, Dr. Carnes is the clinical architect for Willow House Relationship Healing for Women Struggling with Sex, Love, and Intimacy Disorders and is a licensed marriage and family therapist and an AA MFT provider, supervisor. She's joining us today to talk about her new book, um, which you can get a copy. It's available wherever fine books are sold, helping you to tell whether or not your partner is simply behaving badly or truly suffers from a disease called sex addiction. 
Um, we're so glad to have you with us, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Marianne. Yes, yeah, so uh, I have to say that my first question to you is, um, okay, as a therapist, this is uh, something that's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, when did you become passionate about this topic? Yeah, so I came to the field uh, sort of an un- unusual route. My father is actually a pioneer in the field of sex addiction. So his name is Dr. Patrick Carnes, and he's written a lot of books Uh, probably about 10 books in the arena of sex addiction. And so originally, being his daughter, I I decided not to go into the field of addiction. (laughs) And I went into uh, the medical family therapy, and my background is in family therapy. I love working with families, doing couples work, working with children and, and the whole family system. And so I worked in a lot of different arenas prior to working with him. And he kept on working, chipping away at me, saying, come work with me. And so about 15 years ago, I started uh, working in the addiction field uh, with him. And we worked, and I eventually became the director of a sex addiction unit and um, did that for about six years. And have since just, you know, a lot of my clinical focus, focusing on that family system and really um, learning a lot about what partners go through, what children go through, how to help the couples navigate this as they, um, you know, try and restore their relationships, Mm -hmm. which is really uh, challenging with this, uh, with sex addiction. It's just devastating for partners and really hard on the relationship and the family system. And so, um, yeah, that's how I came into the... Wow. What a fascinating story. A nice, uh, actually a beautiful story, uh, you know, that they handed down in the generation. So often you hear the opposite of that. Oh, I got out of whatever my parents were doing. I like this sort of return to tradition. I think it's beautiful. And and often takes more than one generation um, uh, for folks who are committed to social change, right? It could be... Uh, several generations, so I love that. I love the the, the sense of we in that. Um, Stephanie, let's just pause here and talk about what sex addiction is. Um, I can say in my own experience, I was in a situation where someone was behaving like an addict. Uh, the, all the signs were there, but I had no idea what was going on. Right. It wasn't either, the language wasn't available to me then, and boy, when it finally was, everything sort of illuminated and I could actually get help and do something about it myself. Let's, let's give folks a definition uh, for sex addiction. Sure. So I usually define it as a pathological relationship to a mood-altering experience that's sexual in nature that despite adverse consequences, the individual continues to engage in. So it really parallels a lot of the other addictive processes, and we're actually starting to see that bear out in terms of neuroscience research. Um, In the past three years, we've had more uh, neuroscience research coming out in the field of sex addiction than we have in, you know, the past 10 years. So there's really been an explosion of research looking at how this illness parallels the processes in the brain parallel what happens in substance use disorders. And so we really see a similar process with the reward system um, in the nucleus and commons, the dopamine system, as we see uh, that occurs with what we call the brain disease of chemical dependency. And so a lot more people are looking at this as a brain disease, and we're starting to see really um, astounding research come out that... um, 
is finding that these processes are similar with not just chemical dependency, but also things like gambling and binge eating disorder and uh, behaviors that can also, uh, that respond similarly in the brain as chemical dependency does. Okay. Yet, there are some distinctive differences with sexual addiction from the other addictions. Let's talk about what some of those are. Yeah, so, and, and, it's, and it's also treated very differently because we, we don't, especially when it comes to family therapy, because we, uh, partners of sex addicts and family members of sex addicts go through a completely different process than, uh, just, than a family member struggling with chemical dependency. And while they're all challenging in their own unique ways, um, you know, people, uh, family members struggling with sex addiction have unique issues that come up for them that the other addictions don't have. And so that that's very different from a treatment standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, we know that this is a real addiction now. We know that there's a lot of research regarding it. However, uh, for maybe one of our listeners or whoever is listening out there, uh, they might not understand how to identify some of these signs and so forth. Um, so while you might think, okay, well, I know if someone's drinking, I can smell it on their breath. I know if someone's gambling, we're losing money or hiding money, so some of those things are different. Um, in sex addiction, um, let's talk about the signs, the symptoms, and so forth, so people can help to identify if that's happening with their partners. Right. So the, the first thing I would say is, uh, uh, you know, it's not just like recreational use of porn or uh, one or two affairs or going to a strip club every, you know, on occasion. There's a, just like with chemical dependency, you have some people that can, you know, recreationally drink or use and don't become addicts. Um, so, you know, the same is true for with sex addiction. You have people that recreationally use porn, for example, and aren't addicted to it. So, there, you know, we, when, when it comes to an addiction, we start to see people really crossing the line where they are having significant consequences, significant amounts of time spent on the behavior, losses associated with the behavior. It's interfering with their functioning causing them distress, causing them distress in their relationships. They're experiencing, um, like, withdrawal-type symptoms. They're, they're anxious and irritable when they can't access pornography, for example, or they're uh, acting out form of choice. We see a tolerance that develops, so people need more and more intense stimuli to get the same effect. There's an escalation and a progression over time. It becomes compulsive. So when we're looking at true sex addiction, there, you know, a lot of these people have destroyed their lives. They're suicidal. There's, it's really become a, a major problem. And so sometimes it's hard to, like with chemical dependency, it's not always cut and dried when, uh, you know, somebody is crossing the line. Um, but you start to see you have people that have... Um, you know, use substances, people that abuse them and people that are dependent on them. Mm -hmm. And you have that sort of same continuum with sex addiction. Um, but it's very easy or tempting for people to want to either diagnose people as porn addicts or sex addicts after 
you know, an infidelity, for example, uh, when they really might not necessarily meet the criteria. Well, one of the things that struck me when I was reading the book is because this is a book geared for uh, the partners of sex addicts, um, it's it's an opportunity, A, to uh, really uh, identify a behavior that is hidden, Right. That the addict, uh, most addicts are in denial uh, originally, or initially rather. Um, but the thing that I thought that was interesting was the, the kind of, the, there's no formulaic way that it shows up. There's not like a garden variety in the sense of initially, you know, this could, you know, really be something that's happening for years and people don't know it. They know something's wrong. You talk about it in the book, their intuition, their gut, their, they come across some weird things. Let's give some examples so people can start to put some, some language and validation to some things they might be feeling. Sure. So it, you're absolutely right. It doesn't just show up in one way. Actually, some of the new research is looking at, at typologies and different ways that it manifests. So, like, for example, one common uh, typology is um, abuse of power and trust. And so, like, you have some sex addicts that are, it's like the clergy with the parishioners, the doctor with the patients, the teacher with the students, the the CEO with the, all the secretaries. You know, like I've had... I had uh, we had a client recently who was a CEO and had had sex with like 30 people in his organization uh, that worked for him, and so that's a really good example of this one kind of common profile. Mm-hmm. You have other types of you know like another typology is just pornography use. We have porn addicts that are spending immense amount of time just isolated, you know, masturbating at their computers or on their their phones and spending, really having a lot of consequences. Okay, but here you are, the partner. You're going to work every day, and you know something's up. Maybe you found an app on the phone or something has piqued your curiosity, like, hmm. And yet, oftentimes, the partners will rationalize this for their partner, right, that codependent kind of behavior. What are some things that are um, clues and cues that we can really start to follow and look at in relationship, um, you know, that people might otherwise avoid? Right. So typically what happens with the partners is they will know just a little bit of the behavior. Like they might know that there was a process, you know, some use of prostitutes in the past or some pornography or some strip clubs or hookups, like hookup apps, um, you know, some some of that. or You know, so they'll know a little bit of the behavior, but it's like an iceberg. Usually there's a, with, a, with true sex addiction, there's a lot of information that is hidden from the partner. Mm-hmm. And so typically the unfolding process that happens in the coupleship is the addict will... Uh, we call it staggered disclosure. So the addict will deny everything, disclose what they think they can get away with, disclose a bit more, get confronted as more comes out, and then that, then disclose all, you know, or, you know, just, you know, continue to leave some information out. Mm-hmm. So usually the information to, to, for the partner, the partner starts to put together as little pieces of information, they're starting to learn about this secret double life, they're starting to think to themselves usually, wow, this isn't just a little porn or this isn't just a little, you know, strip club use. This is starting to become a pattern. Mm -hmm. They're starting to see like a constellation of behaviors and it's starting to get in the way. They're starting to have financial consequences. 
or health consequences or be, they're taking risks that are, un, you know, unhealthy for the addict, and they're starting to put together that this is actually starting to look like a, a real problem here. Yeah, and, and in between that, the, the changes in intimacy between the partner and the addict, he might lose interest or start inviting, he or she might start inviting you to do behaviors that are maybe a little bit more risky and a little bit more uh, on the edge, pushing you to your limit, you know, uh, those kinds of things are also indications, hmm, something is cha changing here. Yep, absolutely. Right, right. Really impact the sexuality within the couple in a lot of ways. Yeah, a lot of partners will feel like they'll try and accommodate things sexually yeah. to please yeah. their partner yeah. and sometimes get in situations where they might be uncomfortable, right. like swapping or like mm -hmm. cuckold mm -hmm. situations and, you know, just going outside of their limits. Right. We also have situations where um, there's a, not, a lot of new research now on uh, porn-induced erectile dysfunction that's starting to come out. Mm -hmm. Much pornography is starting to uh, impact the, the erectile functioning of the addict. And Got it. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk more about that. And actually, I also want to talk about how long uh, in the heterosexual situation, how long that women often feel like if I were just prettier, sexier, more accommodating, we go into our own kind of denial, and let's talk about the LGBT crowd and so far when we get back. More right here with Stephanie Carnes, Mending a Shattered Heart. We're, we're talking about a guide for partners of sex addiction right here on Marian Live. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've, We've ordered, ordered No, no More, More Love, Love Life, Life Drama, Drama for, for Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. 
Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back to Mary Ann Live. Have you um, been dealing with sex addiction lately? <laughs> yeah, not a casual conversation, uh, but we're trying to make it one that feels like we can speak about openly here at Mary Ann Live. This is often a conversation that there's a lot of shame, a lot of pain, uh, a lot of hidden secrets, things like that. Stephanie Carnes is joining us to help us make it a more open conversation, a more open secret. Um, and there are reasons for that. It's, it's not something that our culture has embraced. Um, we're just learning about sex addiction, the neurological issues that are associated with it, the psychological uh, complexity. But one of the things we love about your book is that this focuses on the partner, how the partner can identify the behavior and start a healing process for themselves. So, Stephanie, right before the break we were talking about the typical or the classic heterosexual relationship where the woman in the par- as partner of the sex addict, the male in this case, the woman oftentimes, um, this could go on for years, thinks, oh, if I were sexy enough, pretty enough, if I was more accommodating, what did I do wrong, what's wrong with me? And the addict actually feeds into that storyline or that narrative. Let's talk a little bit about that before we move into the other um, types of relationships this affects. Sure. So we often look at partners uh, we, it, using the lens of betrayal trauma, that this is really traumatic for them, and it's very hard, and a lot of them have trauma symptoms. There was one study that was done that found that after discovery of their loved one's sex addiction, uh, partners, about 70% of partners had symptoms of PTSD and acute stress disorder. So this is really, really stressful and difficult for partners. And one of the things that's very common in trauma for all trauma victims is what uh, Bessel van der Kolk, he actually coined this term, uh, negative self-attribution. And so a lot of trauma victims, like take a rape, rape trauma survivor, will think, well, if I hadn't been walking down the street in that area, if I hadn't been wearing that sexy dress, maybe this wouldn't have happened to me. Or, you know, they'll, start, they'll turn it around and start to blame themselves. And that's really common for partners in a, in, a, in a betrayal trauma situation. Well, what could I have done, you know, that you know that contributed to this? What was I and not having sex enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not thin enough? Am I not X Y Z? And mm-hmm. they'll turn that around and blame themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's you know, really when you're talking about sex addiction, as we were talking about earlier in the segment, as a brain disease, mm-hmm. there's nothing that the partner could have done mm-hmm. any differently that would have kept this from being a, a progressive disease mm-hmm. on the part of the addict. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, I look at it as an intrapersonal problem for the addict that has interpersonal ramifications mm-hmm. for the partner. I'm even thinking this is a social complex as well, right? The social aspect of this really 
reinforces those archetypes, right? The 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 seductress and the you know uh, winning over the the love, the the damsel, like all of the archetypes sort of can fall into this story. It's just sort of how do we awaken out of that? How do we know when's enough? Enough is enough, and when there is an addictive situation, and that's what your book helps people address. Well, and one thing I would say about that is we have to be a little bit careful because we also have female sex and love addicts. Absolutely. A lot of times we don't. We, we just opened a program for female sex and love addicts at the Meadows, and it's been full since we opened it. Yeah. It's, you know, very, it's, it's overlooked. There's a lot of shame for women. They don't, because they don't fit the typical model, they're usually sort of slut-shamed by our culture, you know, that you have all this negative connotations for women struggling with this. Mm-hmm. But you know, this comes for, for most addicts, this comes out of a history of trauma, out of a, t- a history of attachment impairment in their families. So there's, you know, usually a lot of complex reasons that go into what causes sex addiction. And it's oftentimes part of a mood disorder and PTSD. And so we, you know, it's something that women struggle with. It's something that men struggle with. It's something that a gay and lesbian population struggle with, all cultures. We have people all over the research studies going all, all over the globe in Korea and people calling from Dubai and New Zealand and Europe. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is a vast concern. You, you help giving it a name. Your father's legacy is, is helping as well uh, as you bring this material out into the world. Um, the, the title of your book, Mending a Shattered Heart, uh, is a guide for partners of sex addicts. And I love that about this book. It actually guides you through naming, understanding, et cetera, and then moving into the healing process, which is what I want to talk about next. Once we sort of understand um, the what we're dealing with, uh, which, by the way, one of the things I do want to mention here is there is a difference between uh, being a sex offender and a sex addict, which I'd like you to address at some point as well. Um, because I think that can be confusing for folks, um, you know, because we do make a lot of allowances for uh, normative behavior in the male heterosexual person, for example. Oh, yeah, a little porn's okay. You know, at what point do we draw the line? And you talk about that in the healing, um, the healing continuum. That said, you have uh, a section in your book to help people understand that as well, making those differentiations, right? Well, I think it's, I think it's important because the, the media is actually oftentimes very confused about that. Like if you look at, for example, like the Craigslist killer was called a sex addict, Castro was called a sex addict. You know, there's a lot of, you know, both of those people were sociopaths, the guy that locked women in his basement and, you know, it's like there's a lot of confusion that sex addict means like sociopath or pedophile, that they're going to be molesting children. And actually when you look at the research, the overlap with with sex addiction and sex offending, yes, there is overlap in those two populations, so there certainly is, but it's it's not huge. And so there's a lot of people that struggle with just regular old sex addiction, porn, prostitution, all you know, all that kind of yes. typical behaviors. That's the majority of the population. Yes. And so it's really important to keep in mind that those things are different. Yes, and your book helps people make those distinctions, and they're critical ones to make. So that said, 
we are moving forward. Let's say we have identified that our partner is struggling with sex addiction. Let's say they don't want to do anything about it. How do we invite our partners into a healing process? And to the other side of the spectrum, what do we do when someone has come to you and said, I have a sex addiction? So let's start there, and, and we'll take those two scenarios to start with. Right. So um, oftentimes, you know, just like with chemical dependency, oftentimes people are sort of in a recreational phase of their use and in denial, and they don't recognize it's a problem. A lot of times people have to hit some sort of a bottom before they realize it's a problem. And so um, that can be a bit of a process. And if you have somebody that's, that's an addict, let's take this scenario you're talking about where they don't think it's a problem. They're just out having fun. They're minimizing their behavior. They're, you know, not accountable for their behavior. Those are the situations where often that end in divorce because the partner needs to see the addict, you know, taking some initiative and being accountable and trying to get some help before they have enough hope to continue. Right. When we come back, we're going to find out what hope there is in that scenario and with the alternate scenario, the other end of the spectrum, where someone surprises you and says, hey, I have a problem, I need help. When we get back right here on Marianne Live, more when we return, Mending a Shattered Heart. Stephanie Carnes, Ph.D., is joining us here on Marianne Live. We'll be back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for Us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET, they've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 in car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. So what's on your mind is, okay, now I know what do we do about it, right? We're going to get into the healing process, the the program that's available that Stephanie Carnes has created for us. She's given us a manual to help us heal 
So right now we're, we're just going to finish up the conversation about if your partner is in denial or hiding it and you discover that there's a problem versus your partner's coming to you. So let's talk about the latter. Your partner now has come to you and said, I have a problem. What do we do? Right. So what I recommend to people is they get they find a therapist that has training in this area. So, for example, like a certified sex addiction therapist because it's not taught in most training programs for therapists. So you, and you, people really need some special expertise on evaluating the testing that's involved, um, you know, how to help uh, couples and treatment. And usually the people that have expertise are able to offer group therapy as cutting-edge treatment for sex addiction is group. They, the addicts really need to be surrounded by a community of people that can support them and hold them accountable. Similar to chemical dependency, they need more than just one session a week. Mm -hmm. Usually when somebody gets into recovery and embraces recovery, it's a pretty comprehensive program. There are, you know, multiple groups a week. You know, they're usually involved in 12-step involvement. And then there's a, usually a couple therapy component that is also involved. And I really encourage partners to get support as well. Like I said earlier, a lot of them have... Uh, post-traumatic stress symptoms and are, you know, don't have a lot of support, don't know who to talk to, don't know how to navigate this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for them to get also um, a therapist that can support them through the process. Great. So let's go back to the first scenario. You're with someone, you, you, you have a real sense there is an addiction problem. How do we get our partners to get involved in healing and what happens if they don't? Yeah. Can you heal yourself? Can you heal the other person? Yeah, so a lot of times partners don't realize how much power they have in those situations because it's not uncommon for the impetus for addicts getting into treatment to be that they're losing their relationships. And so a lot of times when partners say, you know, I can't put up with this anymore. You're, if you're not going to get honest with me, you know, and this is going to continue to happen, then, I, you know, I can't put up with it. That's oftentimes when the addicts call for help and to get into treatment. Got it. So, and, and that's a really good indicator um, when the partners start setting boundaries, it's a good indicator to see if the addicts are going to respond to that. Okay. So the partner should get their own support to, to help them navigate that and see if they can uh, get the addict into a uh, therapy process and into recovery mm -hmm. so that they can start healing the coupleship and the relationship. Right, because this can be very, very painful. Like you said, there's trauma involved. There's often denial on the partner's. Uh, part, etc. So you want to get a copy of Stephanie's book to sort of get a lay of the land here. Uh, and there are healing steps you can take beyond. And some, sometimes that includes, you know, uh, deciding when's, when's enough enough and when do we need to leave. You do have a chapter in the book about that. I think it's a brilliant chapter and it helps people really assess uh, if it comes down to it uh, that you might need to leave that situation. But now let's talk about the scenario where you have a partner who's However, it came to be that the, the sex addict wants help. Uh, what is the, the process that you would naturally guide people through? Sure. Yeah. So we want the addict to fully embrace recovery and get, um, you know, really committed. And once you have that process, once that's occurring, uh, one of the first steps in the couple's healing process is for the addict to do what we call a disclosure to the partner. Because the partners are often, they want to know what's been going on. They often don't have all the information. And so you usually have kind of an unhealthy dynamic of the partner wanting to know information or details about the behavior. And there's sort of this confront, 
confront, uh, avoid a dynamic that comes up within the coupleship. And you have to get rid of those secrets in order to reestablish intimacy in the marriage and that connection. And so uh, we usually recommend for most couples that are committed and want to work on their relationship that there be a, what we call a facilitated disclosure with the support of therapists. And so that's where the therapist helps the addict uh, prepare the do- a document that basically outlines the behaviors really clearly and with appropriate amounts of information and accurate information. Uh, so the partner really understands how the disease progressed, what has been happening, and the secrets are, you know, exposed. And so it's, it can be a difficult, and then the partner gets support while they go through that process. Mm-hmm. And so while that can be hard and painful for the partner to get all that information, they usually really want it, and they want to be empowered with the truth. Mm-hmm. And then once that happens, oftentimes there's sort of a paradoxical effect of, okay, now we know what we're dealing with. You know, it actually can sort of inspire hope for the couple to come back together because it's a truthful experience. And, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, now they can come together with no secrets, and you can actually heal the relationship going forward. And usually there's a process of, you know, really kind of, a, you know, amends and healing. The partner needs to share with the addict how painful this has been. The addict has to continue to be transparent and open about their behavior and their recovery so the partner can start regaining trust mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. So there really is a healing protocol for couples that go through this process, and many relationships have been saved and restored. Um, you know, by going through that, through the recovery process and the recovery as a couple. Yeah, one of the main areas that you're going to come across is trust, of course, right? How can I ever trust you? You've lied so many times. And and, and depending on the circumstances, you know, (coughs) excuse me, if relapse is a part of the recovery, which it generally is, that that sort of, you know, uh, re-injures the wound and, you know, the person becomes re-traumatized and around we go. So this is a, a fairly laborious, serious process that people are embarking on here, right, uh, including uh, potential relapse. Yeah, and I, what I tell um, my couples that I work with is the only way to restore trust is reliable behavior over time. Mm-hmm. You know, the addict, you know, needs to kind of be where they say they're going to be, you know, be open, be transparent, you know, um, you know, be on the ball with their recovery. and. And the partners aren't going to trust them for a while, mm-hmm. and they shouldn't really, you yeah. know. And it, it takes a while to build that back up. And usually what I recommend for relapse is that there, there's a plan for the couple around that. So, so you got it. So in the plan in your book, your book really does outline the plan, including 12-step program support, um, what to expect during the healing process, how to find a, an appropriate therapist that's trained, and so on. Let's talk a little bit about this piece around um, that I know that I've heard in in the years that I've been working with relationship dynamics. Um, This this sense of um, what what is the addict really longing for? You know, not at the surface. You know, we think they think it's the porn. They think it's the the prostitute themselves. They think you know the love object. At what point do we actually get more um, sophisticated about naming the desire and does the addict start to see 
that it's not actually the, the sex they're longing for. When does that come online here and we can start speaking openly about that? Because that's when the healing probably really starts to take hold, correct? Right, absolutely. So the way I look at it, I, I don't think sex addiction is not about sex. It's about escape and medicating and healing the pain that they're in. Oftentimes it's healing the trauma their attachment wounds, so they need to learn how to really connect, and it's intimacy that they want right. oftentimes, but That's they've right. been going for intensity. Beautiful, and those are the healing words we're looking for here. So on the heels of that, we're going to break. Sit with that for a minute. Know that there is hope here. The more uh, distinctions we can make, the more truth it's told, uh, the more support you have, there is hope for sex addiction. More with Stephanie Carson. when we return right here on Marion Live. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've We've ordered ordered No More More Love Life Life Drama Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLife.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships www.marianlive.com core certification learning tools to attract build and sustain great relationships also sign up for marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the northern california area www.marianlive.com What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Stephanie Carnes is joining us today. She's talking about her new book, Mending a Shattered Heart. It's a guide for partners of sex addicts. If you're just joining us now, don't worry. You can re-listen to the broadcast. Go to MarianneLive.com. You can go to iTunes. You can go to HealthyLife.net Radio. Uh, and her book is available wherever fine books are sold. Not to worry. You have a beautiful guide and uh, coming to you from a lineage of folks who have invested their lifetime helping you understand, name, and heal sex addiction. 
So, Stephanie, um, during the break, you and I were talking about, okay, we, the healing process, it's, it's serious. There are uh, resources available. You have mentioned most of them in your book. Um, and there are a couple of things that people need to know about uh, their surroundings, extended family and friends, and being very discerning about who we get into uh, the healing process with us. You want to speak to that? Sure, yeah. I think that oftentimes I see couples on either extreme with that. I see some couples that want to take this to their grave and not tell anybody that this is going on. And then I see some people that are uh, too open about it. Uh, Like I had one couple that I worked with where right in early recovery, um, he gave his testimony at their church and far enough along in his recovery to really that. And then there was, they were, felt so much shame they felt like they couldn't go back to that church. So I really try and get them to be selective about people um, that are going to be supportive, about people that aren't going to judge them, uh, for the partner, uh, you know, to share with people that aren't going to judge them whether they stay with the addict or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so really picking some close people. And then also in, if they can get involved in a group process with other betrayed partners, mm-hmm. other addicts, um, that can build up that social support system that's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they want to be with their family. They want to also be um, mindful in the way that the information comes out to the family. Mm-hmm. You know, if, the, if it's presented to the family like we're working on this and, um, you know, uh, we'd like your support and this is what's happening, usually that you get a different response than I can't believe what he did to me and then, what, you know, or whatever. And then later the, the, the families are all into the, you know, there's conflict. And so, you know, we want to be careful about how the information is shared and disclosed with all, the, with all families and thoughtful about that and with, with how, what's shared with the children. Exactly. And on that note, let's talk about what's happening in our culture. Um, the way that sex addiction um, happens, uh, you said, is oftentimes through a person's trauma, their history with trauma, their attachment style. Uh, is it genetic? Is it something that's passed down? Have we isolated that in the, our neuroscience yet? Actually, my, my father's doing one of the first genetic studies. He just was awarded as, as a Fulbright Scholar, and he is doing one of the first genetic studies. And so we're actually collecting saliva samples right now of the sex addicts at our inpatient unit. Wow. Um, yeah, so there, there's not a lot of genetic data. Unfortunately, that's a new frontier where the research okay. is going. If it parallels the uh, substance use disorders, mm-hmm. then we're, you know, obviously we see that genetic link uh, with substance use disorders. Right. Okay. And there's a whole lot of socializing going on in our culture, right? So people don't have to take this burden on as I am bad, right? This is a disease. This is an illness that's affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Right, and with especially right now with the early onset of porn use with our young people, uh, you know, that can in and of itself be traumatic, that exposure to graphic intense content yeah. online. Um, our young people are, you know, all, Tinder and all the hookup apps. I mean, we really have a culture that supports, um, you know, a lot of sexual freedom. So what are, you, what are you seeing with the young people these days? Are they coming to you with sex addiction problems, and how is that showing up? We have people as young as nine contacting us. So we have, yes, absolutely we have. And we don't usually diagnose children as sex addicts, obviously, Mm -hmm. because, you know, 
but they're, uh, they need, they're, they're confused, they need treatment, they need family support. Um, and so one of the things that we're seeing with the young people that's a little bit different than the, we kind of talk about in the field, we talk about classic sex addiction, which is sex addiction that you see where you have a trauma history, you know, uh, attachment issues, mood disorders, that's sort of the classic sex addict. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of young people now get online, get exposed to a lot of graphic content mm -hmm. that are starting to have problems with a with a, a sex addiction that don't have that trauma history right. habits that come from yeah. really warm loving yeah. families, and it's starting to be a problem that's uh, becoming very pervasive. Yeah, like an impulse control thing. That there's a lot of research around that. Well, Stephanie, we are coming to the top of the hour. This is such such really hopeful information for those people who are struggling with sex addiction, whether they are the partner of someone, the parent of someone, the friend of someone, your book, uh, Mending a Shattered Heart, a Guide for Partners of Sex Addicts, uh, is available for folks. What do you want to leave us with today? Well, I would leave you, just like you're saying, with the message that, that treatment it can be successful, uh, marriages can succeed. Uh, children can get help. Fortunately, we've we've had tremendous advancements in the treatment industry in this arena. So there's so much support. There's really effective treatments available. So don't hesitate to reach out to therapists for help. A, a lot of people let the shame of what's going on with them get in the way of contacting people for help. But this is really common, and therapists are starting to get used to this is a presenting issue, and a lot of effective treatments are out there. Right. Good research. The stigma related to being a sex addict. We'll probably see some research around that. Well, look, our hats and heart, our hats are off. Our hearts are open to you and your family for all of the hard work you're doing. Uh, keep it up, um, Dr. Carnes. We're, we're very grateful. And uh, is there a website we can send folks to? Yes. Um, our, we have a, a website called sexhelp.com, and you can find therapists on that website that have been trained. You can find treatment centers. You can find 12-step support on that website. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. Thank yeah, you, 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 come, you come back anytime and visit here on Marianne Live. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank uh, you, Marianne. Oh, you bet. All right, everybody, sit tight. We're going to go to break, and we'll be back for our wrap right after these messages. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, The Great Relationships Begin Within, Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Live and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? 
Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. back, everybody. Yes, this is an issue, a concern, and a topic that affects many of us, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, maybe even more throughout the world. If you are having a problem, uh, Dr. Carnes gave us a website. You can go to sexhelp.com. For more information, go to marianlive.com. We will make sure you get connected with Dr. Carnes. Uh, there are new research coming out, and get a copy of the book in the meantime, Mending a Shattered Heart. Join us next time right here on Marian Live, everybody, for our next guest. In the meantime, you want to go do something good for somebody else. Don't let them know you did it. That's third part of your practice. And uh, we wish you every blessing until we meet again right here, same time, same place.